Nitsonic, exploring the sonic world of wood. K N I T S O N I K Hello comrades, I'm Felicity Ford, also known as Felix, and you're listening to another little instalment of the Sonic podcast. How are you doing? I hope you've been enjoying my little mini casts um, with, we've been, what have we had over the last few weeks? I've just been catching up with you and sharing lots of little bits from my archive. We had the Radiophonic Workshop... Um, and the amazing women who worked for the Radiophonic Workshop. If the sound we want exists already in real life, say, we couldn't go and record it. The sound I want for the rhythm of this piece uh, needs to be a very short, dry, hollow wooden sound I can get from this. We had my little silkworm buddies. And we had uh, Tall Yarns and Tails, my buddies from Tall Yarns and Tails. I have uh, a degree in engineering, in mechanical engineering. So I see things through the eyes of an engineer. I see design through the eyes of an engineer. My background is technical clothing, pattern cutting, designing, couture making. That's been my background. Right from when I left college, I went to work as a pattern cutter for John Galliano. So that's some of the different things I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks. And I hope you've been enjoying listening to these small pieces as much as I've been enjoying working on them. I'm almost ready to return to my full-on Knitsonic series, but before that happens, uh, this week I've got an interview for you featuring my very good friend and comrade, Brenda Dane. I am just back from Wales, where I've been visiting with Brenda, whom some of you may know from her amazing cast on podcast which she produced from 2005 to 2014. Uh, She recently put out another podcast and she's changed a really I think one of her listeners made this suggestion so she's changed the name she's not doing cast on anymore but one of her listeners suggested that because she didn't want to completely stop podcasting forever so she's retitled it provisional cast on which I think is awesome because um, for non-knitters a provisional cast on it's a method for starting your knitting but leaving the loops on the needle so that you can come back to them if you want to normally when you do a cast on you start knitting and the cast on edge is kind of uh, firm and complete but in a provisional cast on you cast on your stitches and you're able to kind of somehow go back into them and continue knitting from them in the other direction so provisional cast on is a really nice way of keeping the loops of your knitting live on the needles or in Brenda's case keeping the uh, keeping the possibility is always there to go backwards in the other direction and to continue the podcast. Brenda is an amazing knitter and a very dear friend so I'm really excited that in about a month we're going to be teaching together at a retreat in Pembrokeshire in a gorgeous hotel at Beggar's Reach. 
It's going to be the first retreat in a series curated and produced by Brenda. Uh, I think I've got a feeling the next one's happening in October. And the idea for her retreat weekends is that they're just the perfect luxurious knitting getaway. They run from noon on a Friday through to Monday afternoon. Workshops, workshop materials, goodie bags, food and accommodation are all included in the ticket price. And there are classes in the mornings and in the afternoons. The evenings are a superb opportunity for hanging out together, talking about our knitting and our lives, enjoying a glass of wine, playing a little music and making our own entertainment. That's a very general overview, but there's a detailed itinerary and schedule and breakdown of what the Gualana retreats involve at gualana.co.uk. That is spelled G-W-L-A-N-A dot co dot U-K. That's G-W-L-A-N-A, Gualana, uh, which is a Welsh word that means wool gathering. And in the May edition of Gualana, I will be teaching on Friday and Saturday morning and then Brenda will be teaching on Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning. My class is all about developing stranded colour work from your own inspiration sources and Brenda's class is about designing your own bespoke yoke sweater. We have all the shades of Jameson and Smith two-ply jumper weight yarn and the idea is that you'll leave with all of the charts and ideas and concepts and numbers and maths to make a beautiful sweater inspired by your own ideas and made to fit you. On Sunday there's an amazing traditional Sunday lunch followed by a marketplace at which one of the vendors will be pearlescence. Um, I'm particularly excited about this because it means that if you need to buy yarn for your sweater project you can because all of our workshops are taught using Jameson and Smith two-ply jumper weight yarn and pearlescence carry um, and are a stockist of Jameson and Smith two-ply jumper weight yarn. So if you wanted to, obviously you can you can knit with whatever yarn you want to, but if you want to continue with the yarns that we've been using in the workshops, uh, because they're going to be at the marketplace, you can. There are still tickets left for Gualana, and I thought you might enjoy hearing Brenda talking a little bit about the retreat. I recorded this interview last week, but while I was staying with Brenda, I was really reminded of our earlier collaboration on a CD release, um, A Knitter's Manifesto. I think because I stayed with Brenda a lot during the spring when we were working on that project together. In that project, Brenda recorded some of her best essays written for the Cast On podcast and I collected field recordings to intersperse between the words and to introduce the mood and setting and place for, for each story. It was mostly a spoken word release and many of the sounds I recorded didn't make it onto the album. So I thought what I would do here is play you Brenda Dane mixed with the sounds of, uh, of Brenda's adoptive landscape. <laughs> <laughs> 
I wanted to share these sounds with you from Pembrokeshire because I think one of the things that's really exciting about Gwalana is that it happens in Wales, which is a distinctive, beautiful, wonderful place. And I wanted to share some of the sounds, particularly of Brenda's little corner of Wales with you, because I think they give a, they give a feeling, a slight flavour of where Gwalana happens, where Gwalana takes place. I can put a list of all the sounds used into the show notes in case you're wondering what any of them are. And I also want to share with you uh, the Knitter's Sound Diary, which we produced together while working on a Knitter's Manifesto. This is a really cool little book which um, you download a PDF and then you follow an online video tutorial to make your own little sound diary. This book enables you to list and document all the sounds that you can hear when you are knitting. Because obviously when we were working on a knitter's manifesto, we were thinking a lot about the sounds that surround the knitter, Brenda the knitter, the sounds of her world. And that was kind of how I approached the sound recording for that project. So we were thinking about that. What are the sounds that we can hear when we're knitting? So there's a video showing you how to assemble the book and there's a PDF which you can download. And I shall be sure to put these items into the show notes for this podcast, along with all of the information that you need about the Gwalana retreat this May. I hope you like this little Felix and Brenda production and that it will give you a sense of how we work and play together and why Gwilana is going to be amazing. Please spread the word from 15th to 18th of May. Brenda and I will be in Pembrokeshire spreading the knitterly love at Gwilana. We hope to knit with you there. And as it says on the Gwilana website, come to Wales, bring your knitting. So can I get you to tell me about the word Gwilana? Gwilana is the Welsh word for wool gathering. And I first heard it way back in the early days of the podcast. I did a kind of a walk through a tour of the Welsh Wool Museum. And and the curator, the museum director at the time, told me about this Welsh tradition called Gwilana. She said that it was a the practice of gathering wool, groups of women walking the hills, walking the countryside, collecting stray bits of wool that the sheep have shed, and calling in at farms. The farmers would set aside a little bit of the fleece for these women. And they were also a source of news. So the farmers were, you know, they were very welcoming because some of these hill farms were very remote. So it was kind of like an early, you know, it was news exchange as well. And she explained that the practice sounds very bucolic, you know, wandering through the countryside, picking wool off the hedgerows, but it was really hard graft. And it was done by desperately poor women who had no other way to get wool to keep themselves warm, you know. 
And so this Gualana tradition also gave birth to knitting nights, Nosunglau, which uh, just like a month after the wool gathering, it would be a very social event with lots of talking and lots of storytelling and lots of... And so those two ideas, the idea of just being in community and, and celebrating knitting, celebrating the fact that knitting was getting done in conjunction with the wool gathering, um, it just stuck with me. They just really stuck with me, those two ideas. There's two elements there that maybe feed into your vision of Gualana. Yeah. There's a social side, but then there's also a working and making side. Yes. Yeah, there definitely is. And I can't tell you which one I enjoy more. They're both equally balanced, honestly. The weekends are, they're really magical. It's a time of very focused work and concentration and learning, but also excitement because you get to share what you're learning with other people who get it who are learning right along with you and that's just a really magical atmosphere it just creates this tremendous hum of you know this buzz all through the weekend it's absolutely wonderful it's a great weekend I think my favorite aspect of the weekend is how quickly 30 strangers become really good friends. It happens over just a, the course of a few hours. There's a little, you know, social awkwardness when people are checking in, they don't know anybody, they get their name tags. By the time we're in the room and the goodie bags get opened, oh my God, that's a great moment. I love the sound the sound that gets made when the goodie bags get open. Um, but by the time the goodie bags get open and we're like between that lunch and dinner on the first day, everybody's just chatting and getting to know each other. And it's like the speed with which the social awkwardness falls away. And I'm absolutely convinced it has to do with knitting. You know, There's no other way that a whole like 30 people could all become instant friends if it weren't that we're all knitting. The glue. The glue that holds it all together, yeah, is the knitting and the work. <laughs> I typically teach last in these retreats because my forte, my passion, my love is about the architecture of knitting. Um, I, I love the surface, but it's really about the structure of the garment to me and making the process of creating garments that fit as simple as possible. So it makes sense that we talk about the creation of the fabric and then we give the fabric form. So I always teach, you know, the last, the second in the run-up and somebody else is covering the, the creation of the fabric. So you'll be doing that with quotidian color work. And I'm so excited about this class. I didn't think it was going to be difficult to figure out how to knit a top-down yoke sweater, or even bottom-up yoke sweater. And it isn't. There are instructions for knitting one out there, but finding a formula, finding a way to make that yoked sweater happen in a way that's logical and easy for everyone and fits everyone, and it was just incredibly difficult. I sat down with a calculator and, and punched a calculator and wrote in little squares of graph paper to try. I mean, it took a long time for me to figure out the formula to make it work. So I'm, I'm just like, I'm so excited by that, that like 
when I started punching the numbers and they all worked, it was like a moment of joy. So I'm really, that's the biggest thing for me. That's the biggest joy for me is like passing on that, I guess, empowerment, you know, just helping people know that it's really okay to just knit something that fits. You know, you don't have to be afraid of the sweater. You don't have to be afraid of the yoke. And so what you really want to give people in this class is not a pattern, but a system. A system, a method, yeah. This is a way that you can measure your own body. It only takes three measurements, three body measurements. And then with a few simple calculations, you have your own sweater pattern. It's based on your gauge. And there are some tips and tricks for applying the surface texture over an odd shape like a yoke. And there, there are, so there are lots of ways to make sure that you're, you know, the work that you're doing in the swatch can be applied to the yoke. But mostly it's just really, really simple, simple measurements, simple gauge, punch a calculator, bada boom, there's your garments, there's your, there's your pattern, yeah. And you've been working out all of these measurements and formula and the whole approach that you're taking by making miniature versions, like a kind of, to, to scale, I suppose. Yeah. Um, They're half scale garments. They're the mini me garments. Mini me. <laughs> mini me. They're so cute. <laughs> they're really good. They're really, they're great fun to knit as well. I can try out all the different, you know, permutations of the formula in these tiny sweaters. And they are half scale. They're based on a, a UK size eight dressmaker's dummy at half scale. So that lets me get the knitting done really quickly. Um, I like working on the half scale dummy. It also let me test my formula. It's also just cute as heck. <laughs> They're just cute. The sweaters are really lovely. You've made an amazing one. I just, I absolutely love it. I was so excited when I first saw the photo of it based on um, the wonders of electricity from my book and you've taken the charts and just applied them across the yoke in, in a super amazing way. Yeah, it was your charts that, that were the inspiration for that. It made it so easy. It's one of the things that let me know that the two of us teaching together could totally work, you know, because people will be coming from your class with their own swatches and their own charts based on their own inspirational things that they bring with them. and. That's where I began. I didn't have my own. I didn't come up with my own inspirational desi designs. To save time, I used yours. And so that, that was what let me know, okay, this is, you know, this is going to work. This will work. The classes will mesh together beautifully.
it was very exciting for me as well because when I was thinking about the Nitsonic system, one of the things that I came across really early on is the issue of having, like I wanted at the end of a swatch to have a lot of options for applying patterns to garments because if you come up with the most amazing motif of all time but it's 57 stitches wide, <laughs> then you, you've kind of limited what you can do with that. Right. Whereas if you've got like 15 designs and they're three, four, six, twelve, eight stitches wide, then you've got some wiggle room. Yeah. And that was always my concept behind thinking about how will I approach the swatches with that smorgasbord of maths that I tried to create in my own swatches yeah. and that I try to encourage in, in my classes. Mm -hmm. You do get enough things that you can then tinker about Common with. denominators, man. It's I all know. about the common denominators. We love the common denominators. <laughs> it makes it so, so easy. Factors. Yes, factors. <laughs> I have to say, when I was working on the charts, and it, I really enjoyed one of my favorite things about the Nitsonic system is the thing of like, just drawing something and then being like, how can I fit the, the idea, the concept of this shape? Like, is it a nine stitch wide shape? Is it a 12 stitch yes. wide shape? And actually I really enjoyed that kind of the puzzle of that. And I really enjoyed then realizing the, for me with the sound, there's also a connection to music and beats because mm -hmm. if you've got like a thing that's four wide and something that's two wide, then when I look at it, I'm almost hearing like doof, 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 doof. <laughs> and, then, and then like a longer sound like yeah. doof, doof. Do, do you know do, what I mean? Do, do. Exactly. It's a rhythm. And I and I found that kind of exciting. Can we can we talk about this swatch for a minute? And this is the first petal swatch that I did and I like I think of a yoke as a, a flower with a like a daisy with loads of petals. And that in order to figure out your increases and see how the patterns relate to each other. You know, you're using tiny patterns near the neck because there are fewer stitches there. And as you increase or decrease, the number of stitches in each pattern has to change. And so this is a way of creating a partial yoke. This is like an eighth of a yoke. Taken a while to kind of figure out what's the smallest amount you can start with and still get valuable information out of it. So it's what I call a petal swatch. It represents, you know, four of the 16 petals, if we're looking at a daisy with 16 petals. And this is what the one that I did to help me figure out what to do for the wonders of electricity. What's really cool about these little sweaters is that I am totally knitting these big. I cannot wait to get like a break in the schedule where I can, hopefully by next winter, I'll have a whole bunch of yoked sweaters in my, in my cupboard. Because they're really awesome. They're so much fun to knit. And the rest of the sweater is just like it's stuck in it, so it's really fast. I've really fallen in love with swatches in the course of writing my book. and. I'm so jazzed to see. Swatches are awesome. They're so beautiful. They're a document of learning and of thinking and of ideas developing. I love the idea of the petals as a as a way of conceiving of the shape. Mm -hmm. And I've seen, like if you look in the Shetland Museum archives, you often see like a bit of a yoke. But it's a different shape than this. This looks like almost like the end of the wedge that you put into your into your trivial pursuits cheese. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. I really, really love teaching quotidian colour work. And I love I love how people I, I love seeing when people discover 
the pattern and the palette and so there's a there's a quietness that happens in a room where people are really concentrating and they're just finding colors finding patterns and they're making this little piece of knitting that's got all of these ideas on it mm. and for me it's very exciting to imagine this progression like seeing your petal swatch there see like seeing the wonders of electricity swatch um i guess actually it starts with the book mm-hmm. the swatch and then the, the little, petal swatch, yeah. the mini me sweater. Yeah. And I really love that progression of ideas. And I love the idea of passing that on. Yeah. And this idea of like... To the full size garment. That's the last piece in the puzzle. Yeah. I want to knit all of them. I really do. Yeah. A little more finagling. A little more like this, um, the yoke. And because I'm knitting them at half size, the pattern that I'm applying would be the start. That's like the jumping off point for the yoke. You know, we have to go from there. I'm knitting half a yoke. They're only five inches deep, you know, right around five inches deep. So I, I would need to swatch more <laughs> to figure out what comes next. But yeah, I really want to knit some Brenda sized sweaters. I want some Felix sized ones. Oh, I'm yes. jazzed. Yeah. I think I might be bringing from my inspiration source. What I might do is bring the frangipani caterpillars. Mm. I posted a photo of Tenby, yeah. Tenby Harbor, um, that's taken at dusk, at that magical summer hour when the sky is neither blue nor indigo, but somewhere in between. It's this luminous color. And then Tenby houses are all painted all these shades of pastel, but it's dusk, so they're, you know, they're a dulled down version of the bright pink and bright yellow and bright blue that you'd see during the day and minty green. and. Um, and then there's all that warm gold light, you know, stretching out across the darkness of the sea. And I just, that, I want, I want that. I want that in a, in a sweater. I really want, I don't even know if I could wear those colors. I should think about this. <laughs> no, I just love that photo. And it's so personal to me because Tenby is just, you know, right over the hill. There's a really great coffee shop that I can sit in and I can see those three trees on the hill, but from the other side, from a coffee shop in Tenby. So I have this really strong connection, you know as part of a landscape and it's just such a lovely seaside town. So I wonder, it's so exciting to see, you know, to hear you talking about the maths and the architecture of sweaters and your process with this and your concept for what the class should be about. Obviously, most people who are listening to this will know you from your long-term, amazing, mm. trailblazing cast-on podcast, but you've retired that now. And I wonder, does any of this point to the next big mission for, for Brenda Dane? Yes, it does. 
it actually does point to a new direction. This process kind of jump-started an idea for a book that's been percolating for a couple of years now. I came up with a top-down Raglan method that I taught all over the U.S. and at the retreats, the top-down Raglan. And it was very similar in that you take your three measurements, there's a few calculations that you make, and then you can basically cast on and you can increase on the, every wrong side row and wind up with a sweater that fits. So it makes the yoke very simple to knit. And there's a whole, like a, the scope for personal interpretation of this, you know, adding texture, adding color, adding lace. Um, so I love that. And then when I went looking for a method for yokes, I, I expected that they would be there, that somewhere there would be, because, you know, it's not new, right? Like a, a formula to knit that would allow you to do the same thing that I was doing with raglans, and it didn't exist. So I, I made it, you know, I figured one out. And then I began looking at the fit of a garment architecturally and how important it is to get it right in the yoke. In garment making terms, the yoke is basically anything that's kind of above the bust. And that's where 90% of the fit happens. And that's where 90% of the fit can go wrong. It's just in this very small section of sweaters. So I started playing around with the idea of doing a, of creating the book that I want. So that, the, that's- The book you always wanted. The book that I always wanted. Yeah, I couldn't figure out why it is that I, I this isn't, that the information isn't out there. What, where, where is this book? This amazing book that will tell you, you know, how to do the, all these different types of, like how to do this for set in sleeves, how to do this for a top down yoke or a bottom up yoke, how to do it for raglans, um, saddle shoulders, you know? That's a really great, you can do so much in that little five inch tab on a shoulder to make a sweater just like totally yours. So I began to think about, you know, about writing that book and now I'm, I'm doing it. That's the next project. Um, the other thing about Cast On was that it was for me like the beginnings of being part of a community of knitters, you know, actually having conversations with people who got the things that I was saying. You know, it was kind of born of need. I didn't have anyone to talk to about my knitting, so I just turned on a microphone and began to talk about my knitting. And I'm still doing that in the workshops, in the Gwilana workshops. And that is such a joy to me. It is such a joy to me to be able to communicate an idea and to, and to share this rich, rich vein of culture and history that we all share together as knitters. It's the best thing ever, it really is. So that brings us to the end of the little the little spree of knit sonic mini casts these single topic little pieces that i've been producing for you i'm going to be back soon with the full-on 
Nitsonic, um, you know, two hours long, tons of ideas, podcast, loads of sounds very soon. I can't wait to hear you. And um, yeah, I hope you're enjoying the spring as much as I am. And I hope to see you in Wales. Bye. You've been listening to Nitsonic. I'm Felicity Ford, also known as Felix, and I hope to hear you very, very soon. Ha, 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 ha.